Welcome to the Teaching Behavior Together podcast, where I provide you with actionable steps for making your classroom management plan effective by incorporating behavioral and social-emotional learning activities into your daily teaching. Hi, I'm Maria, and I have 10 years experience in the field of behavior analysis. In each episode, I will be providing you with effective and evidence-based strategies you can use to create a classroom environment you want to go to each morning. No longer will you be driving home in tears over the overwhelming feeling of trying to manage student behaviors. So sit back, listen up, and start seeing success. and welcome to this episode of the Teaching Behavior Together podcast. Today we have our very first interview with Kaylin from Caffeinated Behavior Change. Go follow her over on Instagram. Today we're going to talk all about utilizing games and other engaging activities in your social emotional learning groups and how to get social emotional learning groups up and running in your classroom. So let's get right into it. All right, everyone, we are here with Kaylin from Caffeinated Behavior Change. And would you like to just introduce yourself? Yeah. Hi, everybody. Um, I am Kaylin, like she said, from Caffeinated Behavior Change. I am a BCBA. I currently serve as a behavior specialist, uh, just like Maria, just across the country. Um, And I'm a former special education teacher. That's awesome. How many years did you teach special ed for? I taught for five years before moving out of the classroom. Awesome. And what grade levels do you service right now? I actually serve pre-K to 12th grade, so the whole gamut. (laughs) Nice. And how many, like, buildings would you say that you service? We have nine schools in our division, so I'm responsible for all nine, but I would say that the majority of my time is spent in elementary schools. Nice. That's perfect. I I do the same as well. Like, I service pre-K to 12 all over the place, but... Um, it's definitely a fun job. Do you think like you like being a special ed teacher more or do you like the behavior role that you have now? Or there are days that I say that I miss the classroom cause I can control my own little bubble and I want my little bubble back and like not worry about anybody else outside. Um, but I think this is definitely like behavior specialist is like the perfect job. Uh, so definitely behavior specialist. Uh, I get to help teachers. I get to help kids. I feel like I can make a much bigger and broader impact. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. I, I think behavior specialist is a dream job, but people <laughs> heard me say that before. So one of the things that you do really well is you run a bunch of uh, small groups, social emotional focus. So why don't we just chat a little bit about that? What are some of the skills you really like teaching in your social emotional groups? Yeah, so I love small groups. I love social emotional groups. Um, And one of the biggest things we do is just do read alouds. Um, I'm huge uh, just reading to them about uh, all the different things. Um, But playing games is like my biggest thing. I think that just playing games with kids is the best instruction and practice you can have for social emotional. So that is the majority of what I do. Um, I know sometimes that's hard because in school systems, we so want to say like, you need a curriculum. And like, we, I don't know about you, but we hear that in our division all the time. I like be using the curriculum. I'm like, but sometimes games are just better and kids are much more engaged. Um, So with those, I mean, it's the basic turn taking, which even through, I mean, I run a small group in a middle school 
and they still need turn taking skills. Um, but then the biggest one I think is just like cooperating with their peers and helping each other, I think are the probably the two biggest. And then because I am so, so passionate about emotional regulation, that always gets thrown in there too, especially when they lose. <laughs> There's a lot of emotional reg uh, skills. Yeah, <laughs> and with, with like playing games and stuff, it's just so many naturally um, occurring opportunities yeah. to teach social skills with turn-taking, cooperating, communicating, and then again, that emotional regulation, if you lose, if you don't agree with something that your peer is doing, mm -hmm. having to problem solve, though you can work so many skills when you're playing games. Yeah. Um, I like how you said like naturally occurring because that's so true. I think a lot of times we have a couple curriculums in our division, but I feel like a lot of our teachers all the time are like, but the kids don't want to do it or it's not engaging enough or it's just not realistic enough. So what perfect way to put them in a situation and a fun one. So it's not, you know, an aversive situation, but we're putting them in a situation where it's just going to naturally occur and then have some fun and then teach along the way. And then half the time I don't even realize I'm teaching them things. Right. And I think if a teacher were to think about starting a social emotional small group for her classroom or his classroom, I could be really beneficial just to like practice doing it because then you learn all those teachable moments. You learn when you can like yes. sneak in that instruction while they're naturally playing a game and get all those teachable moments in during your small group. Yeah. So I would say just start playing games. I mean, it's as simple as that. I don't think when I started, I realized all the skills that I was touching along the way. Um, I, started playing games with kids my second year I had a BCBA come in and was like this kid hated losing like it was his biggest thing like all day was about losing <laughs> um so we started by teaching him and we would just play games and that was one of his instructional uh times during the day and I I don't think I even realized what I was doing and then a couple years later I was like no oh, these are all the skills I've been teaching along the way <laughs> Yeah, totally. And okay, so if a teacher were to make a list right now, what are the like top two or three games you would say that they need for their classroom? Oh, that's so hard. So this is going to sound crazy. Our kids are obsessed with Uno and I'm shocked by it. <laughs> like we played it in a classroom a few years ago and it's been an obsession since. Um, and it's something so honestly cheap. Like you can go buy it anywhere. I think I bought my set from the thrift store, but Uno was surprising to me, but I would definitely say it would be a must have. Um, go fish is an awesome starter. I think, um, Oh, that's so hard. I know upper grade level kids really like Jenga. Yes. Um, we have a lot of Jenga. I typically <laughs> try not to play Jenga as much because usually when I'm in there, the teacher's also trying to teach a lesson and I'm like, Jenga gets real loud. <laughs> that is true. Um, for the younger kids, I have this hanging monkey game and I think it's just called hanging monkeys, but they love it where like the, the tree and the monkeys have to hang. So it's kind of like one of those topple games. Anything like that. Any like top, I have like a pizza that mm -hmm. falls over, but I think anything like something has to break. So like mm -hmm. we were, I was watching break the ice in a class and I was like, this is like one of the best. Yeah. I think though, uh, if you're a teacher and you have games already in your closet, just start 
getting them out yeah. and seeing what kids are really interested in and then try and find games that are similar to that and definitely shop when you can find sales and stuff so that you can start adding to your games library thrift stores are amazing for board games um that's where i think the majority of mine have come from especially for my class um, but i think it just came to me probably my favorite game is called i can do that I haven't heard of it. Um, and I started, they have a Dr. Seuss one, but they also have a Marvel one out now. And it comes with like these little props and you have to pick cards and do these crazy things. Like some of it's like, put your hand on your head and jump around in a circle. So like they have to do hard things. Mm-hmm. So, it, but it, you know, it's a lot of times you'll get like, I can't do that. Or I can't, you know, like this is too hard and so you get to work on SEL and slide yeah. that. Perseverance. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, I'll have to add that one to my list. Kids yes, love playing games. Because they, they don't know that they're learning, right? If mm-hmm. One of the things like with us, you know, being BCBAs, one of the things we really look for is the function of the behavior. And yes. for so many of our kids that struggle in school, a lot of times the function is escape because the tasks can be really aversive or they, they find, find them engaging or they don't want to be there, whatever the situation might be. And if you're taking them to work on a specific skill and you're playing a really fun and engaging game, they're so much more likely to interact with you and really build that skill to fluency as opposed to if we were sitting there reading from a structured curriculum and, and them feeling like, Oh, this is more learning time, but really we're, we're teaching so many things through naturalistic opportunities in the environment. Yes. I think a lot of things that I see um, going into classrooms and helping teachers and, they already have small groups going or they're already like, well, I'm kind of doing this or that, um, is that they're just talking about the behaviors a lot, which just frustrate the kids. Um, so playing games is a good segue, you know, or just, well, I did the curriculum and the kids are frustrated. But I think the biggest one I really do see that is just talking to them too much about it instead of practicing it. And practicing in a way that, like you said, is like fun and engaging and the kids want to come. Like I come in and they're never like, oh, she's here again. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because they know they get to do cool stuff. Make slime. I like to make slime. It's not games, but it's Mm -hmm. probably one of my favorite other activities. Any type of like experiment or activity or problem solving thing is just like a game to them. It doesn't get like that turn taking aspect, but you get problem solving and perseverance and like thinking outside the box and those are skills our students need social mm-hmm. emotional wise when they're put in situations where they're frustrated or they're upset or they're having a difficult time those skills will help them get through that time yeah absolutely i think that is such a great point when you said too that a lot of times we see just like talking about skills as opposed to actually doing this skill and one thing mm-hmm. that i get frustrated with when when I attend PDs is if it's just kind of like a lecture and there's no like modeling or at least videos of someone actually engaging in the strategy that they're talking about because then I don't necessarily know like I can't picture in my head how I then would execute it in my practice and I think that some of our kids get stuck at that point too when we're just talking about being kind to others and not actually seeing it and practicing it for ourselves that can be where that disconnect is for sure. Yeah. So one of the things I talk about a lot um, is, and we do it a lot with staff, especially as behavior analysts you hear all the time is like the behavior skills training. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's always talked about in the realm of like staff training. 
but I do it in the realm of like students because right. I mean, it's just good instruction. And that's why I tell my teachers all the time is it sounds different, but it's good instruction, but you have to hit all the points. So you have to have that instruction piece. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of, that's where I think the read alouds for me come in is I love to do a lot of read alouds and I do read alouds with middle school and middle school, like, um, kids with EVD. So it's not like <laughs> the kids are ever too old. Cause I hear that a lot. Um, and then we do the read aloud and then we can model it. And a lot of modeling is just how fumble putting the game together or I'll mess up doing something and I'll practice that, like model it that way. Mm -hmm. And then the role play is just playing the game with them. And then you can talk through the, what you need to do then but it's in the middle of the game. And then of course, like the feedback piece mm -hmm. um, with the reinforcement. But and most of the time the reinforcement is just already there. It's playing the game. Right. I, I feel like I sound like a broken record sometimes in terms of behavioral skills training. Like I go to that too when I'm teaching kids skills, like how to teach a coping skill, provide instruction on it, model it, let them practice, and then provide feedback. I do that all day long. And if, you, if you're a teacher, and you're looking for a way to teach a skill, I highly recommend you listen to podcasts that talk about that or try and find webinars that talk about behavioral skills training because it's such a powerful way to teach our students skills and it really lets you look at like the outline of moving past that instruction piece and what you do after you've explained that skill. A lot of times what I hear, and I don't know if you hear this, is the kid can tell me exactly what they're supposed to do, but they don't actually engage in that behavior when it comes time to engage in that behavior, right? And I that always like cues a bell in my head of like, well, then we probably just talked about that skill. We probably have never really practiced that skill. And if we have, we have to practice it to fluency so that when they are upset or frustrated that they fall back on that skill and not a previously learned pattern of behavior. Yes. And I think sometimes it's harder to think about in the realm of like SEL behaviors or skills um, because that's not something a lot of people went to school for or have learned about or have a lot of experience in. So when I'm working with teachers, I always like to talk about it in like a reading instruction because that's how we teach reading. Like we provide instruction, the teacher will model it by reading. Um, and then the kids practice and then make it the feedback. Um, and I feel like I, one of the things I say all the time is we don't just have a book, like a chapter book, give it to a kindergartner and say like, well, we talked about it. So you should know how to read. Mm -hmm. um, but we actually have to go through the things, shape all the little mini pieces that get to the bigger behavior. Um, so teaching challenging behaviors is no different and a lot of times it needs a whole lot more work. Mm -hmm. Right, absolutely. If you were to recommend to a teacher, if they had to pick one social skills group, I'm sorry, social emotional learning group to get up and started, what skill do you think you would have them really try and focus on like teachable moments for first? if they were just starting out doing small groups? Just starting, I would really focus on the turn-taking aspect um, because that will grow into sharing and the working cooperatively with peers, which will just really help your whole class culture mm -hmm. um, and class community, but really working on those small ones. And then once they learn turn-taking, that also kind of will help with emotional regulation because they'll get less frustrated when mm -hmm. different things are happening. Uh, but I think, turn-taking is 
huge because even like thinking about like a lot of the classrooms, I don't know about you, but you go, like I go into our K2 rooms and kids are always fighting to go first. <laughs> and I'm like, mm-hmm. we, you know, and that, that's just another aspect of turn taking or I go into like an occlusion room and I've had a lot of students have a really hard time because they raise their hand and they don't get called on. So again, mm-hmm. like just thinking about, yeah, we just played a game and we worked on turn taking, but how many times during the day do you have to wait to take your turn? Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say just start with my turn. I mean, if you have little kids, my turn, your turn, I probably say a hundred times a day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then telling your friend like, okay, it's your turn now. Um, but start small. Yeah. For sure. That's a great foundational skill too, because you're also building a little bit of that wait time teaching too of you have to wait your turn. And some of our students have a challenging time waiting. Yes. So uh, definitely. And okay, have you have any tips for teachers that are going to listen to this and then work on turn taking, but right now because of COVID need some tips on how we do turn taking with not sharing materials? <laughs> Um, yes. So we've gotten a little crafty. Um, we have a couple of, I don't know, and it depends on the age level, but we have in our elementary school this year, we have a lot of students who are loving the marble run. You know, like you, you have to put like all the pieces together, build the tower and put the marbles. So one of the things that we've done is they can share the marble run, but they have their own colored marbles that have to go through. Um, and then of course everything gets cleaned afterwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then another good one we did um, that's good for COVID because they don't have to touch it is break the ice. Cause okay. then they get their own little hammer mm-hmm. Um, so just thinking about different pieces of games like that. Mm-hmm. And again, like um, uh, middle school, one of the games, I mean, and this is just a two player game, but it's good to get started, especially if you have a more challenging situation, but battleship is always fun and mm-hmm. you have your own pieces. Yeah. So also um, thinking just about games that have their own pieces or how can we support the game in some way so that the kids don't actually have to touch the same material. Checkers would be, you could do checkers. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you just have to really think about like, yeah, what pieces are, it's been trickier to, for sure. Definitely. Yeah. Any type of like race game too, if you can figure it, find like a good race game, kids love to race. And a lot of times race games, you have your own materials with, or if you like have them build like plate out of play-doh something and they're like racing each other or racing the clock that's something that is like independent but they're working like parallel you know and then they're there you can throw in that competition aspect of it as well we uh, had a teacher last year i walked in it was so cool to see she actually drew or taped on her floor like a racetrack or like a street with just electrical tape for one of her kids i was obsessed with cars and stuff so yeah Get yeah, creative. That's a good idea. Get creative. Yeah, definitely get creative. All right. Lots so, of crafts. We're doing lots of crafts this year too. A little more crafts than games. I love crafts. If you can learn a good craft, it teaches a lot of other skills too. If you're looking working on any fine motor skills or anything like that, independent like learning skills. If your kids are used to getting a lot of prompts or support yes. in terms of cutting, gluing, all that stuff, you can really work in some of those independent skills with crafting. I'm a huge fan of the crafts. One of our classrooms actually did haunted houses today out of graham crackers and chocolate icing. That's so fun. 
Yeah, lots of turn taking in that one and a lots of wait, you can't eat it yet. (laughs) (laughs) That's like, I love the way that you're sharing so many great ideas that teachers can teach social emotional learning skills outside of a very like box can curriculum. And, and I know a lot of districts might have curriculums and I hear a lot of the same things that you do. The kids aren't engaged with it. The kids don't really like it. They're not really paying attention when I'm reading from this script that I have and it's because a lot of those opportunities aren't naturalistic, right? Like, you know, they're just being told what to do as opposed to being able to practice and really experience that for themselves. And I think that's where a lot of the curriculums kind of fall short with um, the activity piece of it. And we also know a lot of the curriculums aren't necessarily research-based and we as behavior analysts are like, super into the research base. So we know things like behavioral skills training is research based and learning through play. There's a lot of research to support that we can really build skills through play. And I love that you're talking about utilizing games and uh, Play-Doh and crafts and all of this stuff to really teach these skills. Because those of you don't know, before Kaylin came on with me, I was like, let's just talk about what you do in your social emotional learning groups. And like, this is such great advice, especially for teachers who might be a little bit overwhelmed by the idea of teaching a social emotional learning group because they think I have to have a curriculum or I have to have a lesson. Really, you can just grab one of the games out of your closet and start playing and just really start cueing yourself into those teachable moments of where you can point out, oh, look at your sharing, you're waiting your turn, like praising those appropriate behaviors, but also being able to model those behaviors right then and there for the student as they're experiencing it in that situation. Yeah, absolutely. Sounds like you have an awesome program up and going. And (laughs) I would love for you to come back on. Eventually we can talk more about games and how we how we run our social emotional learning groups because again they don't have to be super structured they can be like really fun for kids and we definitely in ABA we also talk about pairing ourselves as reinforcers and this is a great way to pair yourself as a reinforcer for your social skills group not to be aversive to kids not oh I have to go with you again but if you're playing a lot of games and you're doing crafts and you're building stuff kids are gonna love coming with you and learning these skills I'm known as the bag lady and they always want to know what's inside my bag because it's always games and fun stuff. Uh, hey, so be a crazy bag lady or that's guy. That's a good way to be known. That's a good way to yeah. be known. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was so great talking to you. Thank you so much for sharing your tips and strategies. Where can teachers find you to learn more about your tips and strategies? Yeah, thank you uh, so much for inviting me. I had so much fun. This is actually my first podcast, so super exciting. Um, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Caffeinated Behavior Change. And then I also have a blog on caffeinatedbehaviorchange.com. Awesome. Everyone go follow her so you can see everything that she's doing with her social emotional learning group so you can get ideas for running these in your classroom. And hopefully we'll have you back on for part two of this and we can talk more about social emotional learning and how we can really teach those uh, behavioral and social emotional learning skills to our students. All right, everyone, that is all that we have for you today. I do hope this episode was really helpful and you got some really great ideas for how to get social emotional learning groups up and running in your classroom. If you did find this episode helpful, if you'd be so kind and leave a rating or a review, that would help other teachers find this podcast and these episodes. Thank you again for listening and have a great rest of the day.